0: chapter nine of wanted a pedigree this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org read by ruhi huck wanted a pedigree by martha Finlay chapter nine a stranger in a strange place mrs powell felt herself in a strait betwixt two she was a very managing woman and by no means content with settling such affairs that came legitimately under her control but anxious to do the like service by those of other people also and it cost her a pang of regret to go away and leave kezia to her own devices in regard to the packing and storing of the household linen bedding and furniture Yet a still greater repugnance to allowing any one but herself the conduct of matters in her own family kept her firm to her resolution to depart for home on the second day after seeing her sister's remains consigned to the grave by nina this last day was spent principally in leave-takings of schoolmates and friends and of many an object animate and inanimate dear to her warm loving child-heart the very hardest of all was the parting from dr blake and mrs croft who seemed like second parents to the now almost friendless orphan they bade her a very tender adieu and left her all drowned in tears this was at eight o'clock in the evening and mrs powell immediately ordered her off to bed where she presently wept herself to sleep the travellers were to take an early start the train passed through the village at six and mrs powell had decided that it would not do to be later than half past five in leaving the house and had directed abner to have the buggy at the gate at that hour precisely nina slept heavily after the fatigue and excitement of the previous day and kezia would not disturb her or allow anyone else to do so till breakfast was almost ready to set on the table the meal was a tempting one for kezia in her strong affection for the little girl had exerted her utmost skill to make it so but nina ate scarcely anything and leaving the table before the others were half done picked up her hat and hurried toward the door where are you going demanded mrs powell springing after her and catching her by the arm let me go cried the child in a choking voice and making a violent effort to release herself not till you tell me where you're going answer me this instant and mrs powell tightened her grasp let me go repeated nina let go of my arm aunt comfort i must bid mamma good-bye once more oh i must i must i can't go without and she burst into an agony of weeping no you shall not it's the most absurd nonsense as if my sister was there and could see and hear you just come back and finish your breakfast like a reasonable being i don't want any more and i must i will go cried nina again exerting all her strength to free herself but in vain kezia now interfered and begged that the child might be allowed this slight solace for her grief but mrs powell would not be persuaded that dusty road and wet grass would render her clothes unfit for the journey she said and she had been there yesterday and besides there was not time now for it was already nearly half-past five and nina had to submit though it almost broke her heart Kezia took her in her arms for a moment soothing her with loving words of sympathy then led her back to the table and tried to induce her to eat a little more but without success and presently abner drove up to the gate and the time for parting had come lina clung to kezia in speechless anguish while the latter strained her to her heart with tender caresses and whispered words of endearment and of hope of a future reunion come nina no time to waste cried mrs powell impatiently come and get into the buggy at once good morning kezia i forgive all your impertinence and wish you well thank you ma'am answered Kesie dryly as she assisted nina to climb to the seat by the side of her aunt who was already in the vehicle but so's your good to the child i don't care particularly what your feelings are towards me except that it's wicked to be spiteful and unforgiving i'm not meaning any impertinence now mrs powell but i must just remind you of one thing the good book says ye fathers provoke not your children to anger lest they be discouraged and i hope you will remember that it was meant for mothers and aunts as well as fathers good-bye and i wish you a safe and pleasant journey nina hardly heard kezia's words for springing to her feet and dashing away the blinding tears abner stepped into the buggy and gathered up the reins she was taking a last loving farewell look at the dear home of her childhood a toss of the head and a curl of the lip were mrs powell's only reply to kezia's parting admonition and seizing nina with no gentle hand she dragged her down to the seat and bade abner drive on at his utmost speed he obeyed in silence and for a while nothing was heard but the roll of the wheels the thumping of the horse's hoofs and nina's bitter sobbing but at length as they neared the village mrs powell said in a cold reproving tone "Come." come nina i think you have treated us to quite enough of this i am heartily tired of sobs and tears let us have something else touched to the quick by this harsh rebuke the little mourner made a determined effort and calling pride to her aid presently succeeded in checking her rising sobs and forcing her tears back to their fountain she was perfectly calm and quiet as they drew up and alighted at the door of the depot but the expression of her face was very sad and when abner came with cheques and tickets and as the sound of the approaching train was heard said he must bid her good-bye her self-control was very near giving way again her lips quivered and tears sprang to her eyes you hain't give me a kiss this two or three years back and maybe we won't never meet no more on this earth he whispered with a wistful look and proud little lady as she was she gave it at once for she had known him all her life and he was old enough to be her father he had always petted her too in his rough fashion and there were so few now left to love her how glad he looked though there were tears in his eyes too he took her little soft white hand in his pressed it to his lips and held it fast while he led her to the car and handed her up the steps then with a bow and a murmured god bless you my pretty bird he stepped back and stood watching for her face at the window till the train moved on again he did not see it for mrs powell muttering that vulgar unbearable fellow was careful to select a seat on the farther side of the car and to make nina sit down there with her she soon perceived to her annoyance that nina's extreme beauty joined to her deep mourning and sorrowful countenance was attracting a great deal of attention from their fellow-travellers and she could have shaken her for it particularly as a whisper reached her ear that woman can't possibly be her mother she's so hard-featured and the child is bewitchingly beautiful mrs powell coloured with anger and glanced at nina to note the effect of the remark on her but she did not seem to have heard and looked as if her thoughts were far away perhaps lingering beside the graves it had been so hard to leave without a farewell visit this was not nina's first journey several times she had taken short trips over the same road in company with her parents so that it lacked the charm of novelty and at first her thoughts were more occupied with her unpleasant change of protectors and a consequent renewed sense of her irreparable loss than with anything else but at length as they entered upon scenes entirely new to her she began to look about her with something of the curiosity and interest natural to her age she had never been in a city and when they arrived in new york she felt quite bewildered by the noise and tumult but clinging close to her aunt who seemed in no wise disturbed by it she made the transit from car to stage from stage to ferry-boat and reached the depot where they were to take the train for philadelphia in safety it was crowded with passengers that day and they had some difficulty in obtaining seats all were already filled in the first car they entered and they had passed half-way down the second when a lady made room for mrs powell by her side and at the same instant a gentleman beckoned nina to a seat with him it took her some distance from her aunt and out of her view as it was behind her which mrs powell did not like thinking it gave the child too much liberty to act as she pleased but there was no help for it and nina went she slipped into the seat with a murmured thank you sir but without lifting her eyes which were full of tears for she was feeling very sad and lonely in the crowd of strangers and there was an inexpressible longing in her little sad heart for the love and protecting care that were wont to surround her thus she did not notice the emotion of the gentleman as he first caught a full view of her face that was as he rose and stepped aside to let her pass in and take the seat next the window he started became deadly pale and trembled visibly his colour returned in an instant but he seemed unable to remove his eyes from the child's face and continued to regard her with an expression of intense and painful interest as he resumed his seat with her by his side while she all unconscious of his gaze was struggling hard to keep down the rising sobs and force back the tears that spite of every effort would roll down her cheeks the train was not yet in motion so that conversation might be easily carried on and many of the passengers were engaged in lively chit-chat between themselves or with friends who had come down to see them off nina's companion presently took the opportunity to speak to her the deep mourning the tears the half-suppressed sobs and sighs had already told him more than half her sad story he had a kind heart it yearned over the little weeper my dear little girl he said bending down and speaking in a low tone of tender sympathy i see that sorrow and bereavement have been sent to you and i feel deeply for you what can i do to comfort you a fresh burst of tears and a silent shake of the head were her only answer my poor little girl my poor dear little girl he whispered pityingly taking her hand in his his manner was so kind and fatherly his tone so gentle and loving that he completely won the desolate heart of the little orphan she looked up gratefully through her tears and as she met the yearning tenderness of his glance the impulse was strong upon her to throw herself into his arms and sob out all her bitter sorrow on his breast ah she little guessed how he was longing to take her into such a fatherly embrace but the train was put in motion the noise preventing further talk for the present and he straightened himself leaned back in his seat and opened the book he had been reading but he could not fix his attention upon it his eyes were ever wandering from its pages to the face of his young companion and his features worked with emotion as he looked while now and then a heavy sigh escaped him at length as the train paused for a moment at a way-station he leaned toward her again and in a low gentle tone asked will you tell me your name my dear Nina clemens she answered without any hesitation but her tone was low and he caught only the last name clemens he repeated to himself i never met with any one of the name before but where did she get that face those eyes i never thought to behold their like on earth again ah if she were but mine She is not the child of that woman surely so unlike if not if she should be in want of a home a father a thrill ran through his whole frame at the thought he leaned towards her again and asked with an inclination of the head toward mrs powell is that lady your mother my dear nina shook her head and the downward glance at her black dress and the fast-dropping tears told him that his question had proved a still bleeding wound he regretted that he had asked it she struggled with her tears a moment then answered in low quivering tones no sir that's aunt comfort papa died four weeks ago and mamma last sunday and-and she could get no farther the words choked her my poor poor child he said involuntarily throwing his arm round her and drawing her close to his side nina looked up and saw mrs powell beckoning to her to come and take the seat next herself which had just been vacated. very unwillingly the child rose to obey i must go she said struggling with her tears and holding out her hand in farewell he took it and pressed it to his lips then still retaining it in a kindly grasp wait one moment he said you like candy no doubt all children do i think here he motioned to a lad who had come into the car with boxes of confectionery, bought one, and put it into Nina's hand. "'God bless and keep and comfort you, dear child.' His lips just touched hers. She looked up with eyes nearly blinded with tears, made a vain effort to thank him, and at the same instant felt her arm seized by Mrs. Powell, who fairly dragged her away to the seat she had been summoning her to occupy i think you will come when i call you another time she said speaking close to her ear and pushing her in next the window and planted herself in front of her what business have you to be making acquaintance with strange men how do you know who or what they are the child's quick temper rose at the rough treatment and undeserved reproof her eyes flashed she clenched her teeth hard while her lip trembled and her bosom heaved and turning her back upon her aunt she looked steadily out of the window mrs powell felt that she could have enjoyed shaking her well but restrained herself for decency's sake Nina's temper was hasty and violent but resentment was never long lived with her her nature was too noble for that five minutes later she turned toward her aunt a very sweet though touchingly sad face and with a beseeching look held out a peace offering the little box of confectionery mrs powell rejected the overture with scorn she was not to be cajoled with sweets not she lena read it plainly enough in the sudden drawing up of her angular figure the cold set look about her mouth and the freezing expression on her hard black eyes the child's anger was roused again who cares i'm sure i don't she muttered to herself as she opened her satchel and bestowed the candy there but her little heart was very heavy too heavy for even sweetmeats to tempt her appetite two young girls sitting nearly opposite had watched the whole scene wouldn't i like to shake that woman well whispered one to the other i fairly ache to do it i should enjoy seeing you provided you did it with a will rejoined her companion through her shut teeth nina's new friend too was looking on with a heart full of sorrowful indignation and a longing desire to rescue the little one from her tormentor he made an effort going to mrs powell's side when next the train stopped excuse me madam he said courteously lifting his hat with a slight bow as he spoke if what i am about to say seem impertinent and believe me i do not mean it so but my heart is strongly drawn toward this little girl especially on account of her remarkable likeness to one now in glory who was inexpressibly dear to me his voice almost failed him for an instant but controlling it with an effort he went on and i cannot refrain from asking if you would be willing to resign her to me i would like to adopt her as my own Anne sir interrupted mrs powell with dignity do you mean to insult me i know nothing of who or what you are i was about to say that i could give you the best of references as to my character standing in society and so forth it is entirely unnecessary useless i promised my sister that i would bring her up myself and i am not one to break my word then let me beg of you to be patient and forbearing with her childish faults and to remember that god is in an especial manner the father of the fatherless their helper and protector mrs powell was literally speechless with rage and astonishment but nina who had listened with almost breathless eagerness to the short colloquy started up exclaiming eagerly oh aunt comfort do let me go with him i'm only a trouble to you you know a withering look was the only reply good-bye my dear child the stranger said holding out his hand for the train was starting again and they must part nina put hers into it for an instant and looked up longingly into his face meeting a glance of tender loving sympathy in return then as he went away she covered her face with her hands to hide the tears she could not restrain oh he's so good so kind and i shall never see him again was the cry of her sorrowful little heart repeated yet more bitterly as she saw him leave the car at the next station mrs Powell did not address her again for a long time not until every one seemed to be preparing to leave the cars which were moving very slowly then she said this is camden nina we have only to cross the river to be in philadelphia there we have stopped come bring that basket we must make haste or we shall miss the ferry-boat nina obeyed pushing her way through the crowd as best as she might and with difficulty keeping near her aunt who paid her not the slightest attention mr powell met them as they landed at the walnut street wharf he was a little thin wiry-looking man with a meek submissive air strangely in contrast with that of his wife he shook hands with her saying ah comfort how do you do i'm right glad you've got back then turning to nina and this is esther's child i suppose how do you do my dear i hope you like philadelphia he grasped her hand for an instant then hurried them into an omnibus which was already nearly full nina found herself squeezed in between a great fat man and a mulatto child's nurse with a babe in her arms while mr and mrs powell sat directly opposite as they rattled on over the stones there was just light enough to enable her to improve the opportunity to study the countenance of this new relative she heaved an involuntary sigh as she did so for almost unconsciously she had been hoping to find a friend in him and she was disappointed for though he did not look unkind there was nothing attractive in his countenance it lacked manliness and decision and child as she was though a quick-witted one she soon came to the conclusion from something in his manner that he was afraid of his wife and from that moment she despised him in her heart the omnibus set them down at the corner of sixth street mrs powell took her husband's arm and started on a rapid walk up the street calling to nina in her sharp imperative tones to keep close behind them by dint of a good deal of exertion the child managed to obey but her little feet unaccustomed to the hard city pavements grew very weary daylight was fading into night as they reached the door of her new home a three-story brick house just like dozens of others they had passed at least so it seemed to nina and she wondered how she could ever be able to tell it from the rest if she should walk out alone there was nothing homelike to her in its appearance and it was with a sad and shrinking heart that she crossed its threshold following her aunt and uncle into a narrow carpeted hall dimly lighted the sitting-room was in the second story of the back building and opened upon the first landing a boy of fourteen the very image of mrs powell stood in the doorway so you've got back mother he remarked yes homer she said shaking hands with him and a younger son whom she called sylvester but what's the baby doing up at this hour she should have been in bed long ago but it seems my rules become a dead letter in my absence she looked severely at her husband as she spoke he hung his head and answered meekly that he had thought Anne would attend to it just like a man she said sneeringly as she took up the little toddling thing in question caressing it and another who was clinging to her skirts with more warmth of affection than nina had ever thought her capable of come my dear walk in and make yourself at home said mr powell to nina who had slowly mounted the stairs and now stood at the sitting-room door looking with sad wistful eyes at the children as they clustered about their mother come in repeated her uncle children this is your little cousin nina who has come to live with us shake hands with her boys essie haven't you a kiss of welcome for the new cousin homer stepped forward and gave her his hand in a cold stiff formal way sylvester followed grabbed her hand and shook it roughly staring at her in a very rude disagreeable manner and finishing with an ugly grimace seen by no one but herself nina turned from them in disgust and aversion come essie speak to your cousin repeated mr powell the child a sweet-faced little girl of four with a fair complexion pretty blue eyes and sunny hair of the aunt for whom she was named hung shyly back for a moment then as nina struck with the likeness to her almost idolised mother stooped and held out her arms with a winning though tearful smile she sprang forward and held up her face for the kiss saying in sweet childish treble i like you essie like new cousin you darling was nina's most inaudible exclamation as she hugged the little creature tightly and kissed her two or three times come nina and i will conduct you to your room said her aunt the tea-bell will ring in a few minutes the child must be tired comfort can't she take off her things here suggested mr powell in the mild half hesitating tone of one accustomed and not expecting his wishes and opinions to have much weight Certainly not, was the reply. I should have thought you had lived long enough with me, Mr. Powell, to know my rules better than that. A place for everything and everything in its place is a rule I have always insisted upon, and always shall, and the place for Nina's things is in her own room. Of course, my dear, and your rules are excellent, but should not Homer or Silly carry them up for her this once?' And let her go down to tea with all the dust of travel still on her face. Her hands and her clothing, I suppose, said his wife sneeringly. Plenty of soap and water in the bathroom yonder, replied Mr Powell, with a tone and manner that seemed to say he was astonished at his own temerity. His wife evidently was, and deigning no other answer with than a meaning look, as she put the babe into his arms, she walked out of the room, commanding Nina to follow her the little girl though indeed very weary obeyed without a word a short flight of stairs brought them to the second story of the main building but mrs powell made no pause here turning to another flight she kept on till the third story was reached Nina following close behind her they passed the first door mrs powell saying that is the boys room and went on to another which she opened this is to be your room, she said, stepping in, and I presume you will find it in good order, every article in its place, and no dust or dirt to be seen, and that is the way in which I expect it to be kept she was lighting the gas as she spoke taking a match from a box which hung on the wall immediately beneath the burner and striking it on the roughened part remember she continued you are never upon any account to strike a match on the wall it is a trick i will not allow yes the room is in order i see and she glanced searchingly about though i believe there is a trifle of dust on the bureau and the mantel i shall send anne up to remove it now look nina here is a closet with pegs where you are to hang your dresses and outdoor garments and shelves for the rest of your clothes take off your hat and sack and hang them on this peg and remember that is exactly where they are always to be put now i will leave you there is water in the pitcher on the washstand and soap beside it and there are towels in the drawer and you have a comb and brush in your satchel make haste and use them all and when you hear the bell for tea turn down the gas so and come down to the dining-room it is under the sitting-room on the ground floor of the back building do you understand yes ma'am aunt comfort may i give some of my candy to the little ones no no child of mine shall taste anything bought with the money of that man and that reminds me that you have behaved very ill to-day and richly deserve severe punishment yet in consideration of your recent loss i will pass it over for this once but beware how you show me a repetition of such conduct with these threats and reproaches spoken in hard cold tones and without one caress one word of sympathy or a welcome to the desolate homesick little creature whom her sister had with her dying breath entreated her to love and cherish this paragon of perfection this model wife and mother as she deemed herself went out and closed the door behind her the child stood in the middle of the floor listening to the sound of her retreating footsteps till they could no longer be heard then she cast a hasty glance around the room she had seen it only in detail while her aunt was there but now took in the whole effect which was far from cheering for bare whitewashed walls guiltless of the slightest adornment curtainless windows coarse faded worn rag carpet and quilt and rough unpainted wooden furniture very much the worse for the wear formed a most unpleasing contrast to her customary surroundings at oakdale in the pretty cosy chamber her fond parents had taken such pains to fit up and adorn for their darling here there was nothing inviting to the eye save the perfect neatness and order always to be found where mrs powell held sway nina had a strong love for the beautiful and the change was exceedingly distasteful to her yet all this was as nothing compared to the loss of the love and tender solicitude which had surrounded her during all her infant years there came over her at that moment such an overwhelming sense of it that bitter irreparable loss that she sank upon her knees clasping her hands together and dropping her head upon her breast with a low passionate cry oh mamma oh papa i want you oh i want you i can't i can't do without you but she felt that the time had not yet come when she might venture to indulge her grief and suppressing by a mighty effort the heaving sobs and dashing away the falling tears she rose up hastily and obeyed as quickly as she could the directions her aunt had given she had not quite finished when a bell rang below and she heard the others leave the sitting-room and go down to the lower floor there i shall be late and shall get a scolding she said to herself well what need i care i'll have to get used to it and laying aside her comb and brush she began washing her hands a stumbling step came along the passage and someone fumbled at the door who's there she demanded it's only me miss Anquin, answered a rough-looking half-grown irish girl coming in with a bucket of water in one hand and a duster in the other the mistress she won't low me no candle cause i'll drop crease or set the house afire she says no she won't have the gas lit neither and so i've to fumble about in the dark to find the door handles and i've come up to fill the pitchers and to wipe off that dust on the mantel and table here that never a soul but herself could find begging your pardon miss but ye'd better hurry or ye'll ask for getting a scolding for they're all at the table and the mistress is sure to be mad if anybody's late yes i'm just ready said nina hanging up the towel she had been using will you turn down the gas when you're done here sure and i will thin for a purty scolding i'd get if i didn't the girl answered in a rough but not ill-natured tone and nina went out groped her way down to the sitting-room door from there the lamp in the lower hall gave her sufficient light, and she had no difficulty in finding the dining-room, as the door stood open, and she could see the family seated about the table. "'Come in. Here's a seat for you,' said Mr. Powell. "'We will excuse your lateness this time, Nina,' said her aunt, as the child came forward and took the offered chair. But after this you must endeavour to be punctual.' Nina perceived the implied rebuke in silence, and accepted with a murmured, "'Thank you, sir.' the bread and butter mr powell put upon her plate though she glanced over the table with an emotion of surprise at the meagre fare only cold bread a little stale and firkin butter so strong that she found difficulty in forcing herself to eat it for she had always been used to the sweetest and freshest butter made by kissy's skilful hands there was tea for the grown people but the children had each only a cup of cold water which mrs powell said was far more wholesome for them though perchance she might not have been so sure of that had it not also been much cheaper for she was a notable housekeeper in her own estimation at least and knew well how to economize by abridging the comforts of her family one piece of bread was all nina wanted and she was ready to leave the table as soon as the others were they all repaired to the sitting-room again, where they seated themselves in solemn silence, Nina wondering what it meant till she saw her uncle open a large Bible that lay on the table. He selected a very long chapter in the Old Testament, or perhaps he had come to it in course, a part of the Levitical law, which she did not understand or care to listen to, and she had great difficulty in keeping awake then followed a long tedious prayer uttered in a dull monotonous tone well suited to give the impression that the suppliant was merely repeating by rote a lesson in which he felt no personal interest and poor weary little nina worn out with her journey and even more with her grief fell fast asleep before it was half over but at its conclusion homer who knelt near her gave her a slight push which woke her suddenly and she rose with the others you can go to bed now nina said her aunt and the little girl gladly availed herself of the permission she was not quite out of hearing when homer said she went fast asleep while you were praying father and mrs powell answered yes i dare say she's a wicked girl who has no love for prayer indeed dislikes it so much that she stoutly refused to say her prayers one night when i bade her nina heard the words distinctly and she felt her cheeks burn and her eyes thrill with hot indignant tears aunt comfort hates me she thought and she's trying to set them all against me she would have liked to stop there upon the stairs to hear the rest of the conversation but her mother had long ago taught her that eavesdropping was very mean almost as bad as stealing and that listeners never hear any good of themselves and scorning the mean act nina hurried on out of earshot and was soon in her room where, having locked the door, she threw herself upon the bed in a wild paroxysm of grief and anger. Very, very lonely and desolate she felt, and intensely she longed for the love and sympathy which had hitherto made her life so bright and joyous, while bitterly, most bitterly, she mourned over the certainty that they were gone from her for ever. Then she thought of the stranger who had taken such kind notice of her in the cars that day she seemed again to feel the gentle sympathizing pressure of his hand and to hear the soothing tender tones of his voice ah if aunt comfort would have let her go with him but now she could never hope to see him again and that thought added to her grief she wept on till the violence of her emotion had spent itself then rose and languidly began her preparations for the night's rest the moment these were completed she crept into bed utter weariness joined to a defiant feeling toward her aunt and would have required it if present preventing her from bending her knees even for a moment in prayer mr and mrs powell had a long conversation that night though rather one-sided it may be observed she being the principal speaker he for the most part merely a listener except when she asked a question or made a remark to which she seemed to expect an answer he had to tender up a strict account of his stewardship during her absence, and she gave him the whole history of her visit, including every detail concerning Nina, not omitting her own conjectures in regard to the child's parentage, or her feelings of indignation that the property of her sister and brother-in-law had been left to one who belonged to them only by adoption, instead of to herself, whose claim of kindred she considered so much stronger. Was it not too bad, Thomas?' she asked in conclusion i wish it had come to you it would have helped us along nicely with our growing family he said but still i can hardly blame them for wanting to provide for her for i suppose they felt toward her pretty much the same as though she'd been their own and no wonder either for she's a beautiful child-comfort a great deal handsomer any of ours handsome is that handsome does replied his wife coldly and i can tell you she's a perfect young tigress i wouldn't be willing a child of mine should have such a temper as hers even if it would make it as beautiful as an angel i wonder you undertook to care for her he said with a look of dismay you need not be alarmed she answered somewhat contemptuously i have no doubt i shall be able to manage her but i am surprised mr powell that you know so little of my willingness to sacrifice myself for the good of others as to express any wonder that i should consent to undertake such a charge particularly when it was a request of an only and dying sister Excuse me, my dear, I ought to have known you better, he said meekly, but I fear I shall never be able fully to appreciate your many excellences of character. No, I never expect to be fully appreciated in this world, she remarked, with a sigh of resignation to her hard fate, I feel that I have done a truly praiseworthy deed in accepting the disagreeable task of bringing up this child of strangers, she went on, but we are not required to work for nothing, and I intend to make it pay how he asked with some curiosity i shall charge well for her board her washing and ironing the care of her clothes etc etc and i shall make her useful in various ways about the house i see he answered slowly but don't let us rob the orphan comfort i'm superstitious about that you know we're told god is the father of the fatherless and i don't think there's ever a blessing on what's taken from them nonsense mr powell what are you talking about she's not esther's child and i've hardly a doubt that her parents are living besides who thinks of robbing her i am only not going to work for nothing and find myself well well comfort no doubt you know what's right and will do it too he said turning over to go to sleep but if you're right in your conjectures the child's a great deal worse off to my thinking than if she was an orphan come don't go to sleep yet she said i have something more to tell and she went on to give an account of the unexpected offer of the strange gentleman to adopt nina surprising exclaimed mr powell but did you not feel tempted to accept it may you not have been a little too hasty in giving so decided a refusal on the spur of the moment it would have been so easy an escape from all the trouble and care over the prospect of which you have just been groaning Mr. Powell, do you take me for a born fool? Was the indignant rejoinder, or are you one yourself? Have I not already explained to you that I expect to make a good thing of having her here? Ah, oh, excuse me, I—I had forgotten," he answered sleepily, ending with a slight snore. End of chapter nine.